0: As you heard in the moment with the children, with Dr. Poe, we are in the midst of a sermon series called Holy Rhythms, considering the the different fundamental rhythms of faith that that anchor us in season and out of season. Started a couple weeks ago, this will take us up to Lent, and and largely looking each week at the lectionary scripture, and and just considering where there is a, a certain rhythm To which we might attend your first live concert you remember it yeah remember who it was where it was okay see some head nods I'll ask you about that after service (laughs) I got a Van Halen right at the door at the end of the (laughs) last service me I'm pretty sure it was Dave Matthews band all right some knowing head nods Riverbend, cincinnati ohio pretty big venue for the cincinnati world i remember the lights the energy the eardrums just blown out of the water and i remember a few years later my first year as an associate pastor in atlanta georgia i was meeting over coffee with this student from nearby emory university and He'd been visiting the service a handful of times. He says, "I'm talking with different pastors and leaders in the community. I have this idea." And he goes on; he wants to put on some kind of huge concert in the Atlanta area where we could invite as many people as possible. Honestly, I don't remember exactly what what we were going to lift up. I, I think it may have been as 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 uh, simple as let's share about Jesus and the good news of Jesus, and 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 have kind of a big band speaker, or whatever. So I'm intrigued by his, his energy, and I'm saying, so okay, let's brainstorm. What are some of the big venues around here? Who do we know? Any connections to a, a, a big band or speaker? You know, How can we make this a can't-miss event? We never ended up pulling off this massive concert. Turns out those take a lot of work. But I am struck by how naturally we leaned into this conversation without ever questioning this fundamental assumption. Obviously, bigger is going to be better, just like all the huge concerts that we've attended. Like spectacular, unforgettable, lights, music, super shiny, professional. Like, that'd be amazing. Forgetting the word out. And if you were in the uh, adult elective Sunday school a, a little bit earlier this month with me, you know, one of the things we looked at was uh, at how really in, in a lot of parts of our society and in the, in the church as well, there is this underlying assumption that, well, bigger's better. I mean, a, a bigger church is, is, is better, a bigger platform's better, a bigger social media following is, is better, a, a bigger brand, it's, it's just, it's It's better. And if you can have it all the more polished, all the more professional, I mean, that's where it's at. That's how you get the people. Go big or go home. In the Gospel of Matthew, just before today's passage, the devil is tempting Jesus in the wilderness. And one of those temptations, the uh, devil says, Jesus, throw yourself from the top of the sanctuary down, for Scripture says God will save you. And Henry in the 20th century Catholic theologian and writer, says this about that moment. The second temptation to which Jesus was exposed was precisely the temptation to do something spectacular. Something that could win him great applause. But Jesus refused to be a stuntman. He did not come to prove himself. He did not walk on hot coals, swallow fire, or put his hand in the lion's mouth to demonstrate he had something worthwhile to say. Do not put the Lord your God to the test, he said. Well, if not the spectacular, uh, the biggest, if not the lights and the immediate applause of the masses as the way to really draw people together, to launch this revolutionary ministry into a world mired in injustice, people sitting in darkness, well, then how? I remember a number of years ago attending a live concert, in Atlanta, alongside whatever 50 or 60 people could be crammed into this space that had maybe eight bar stools worth of length at, at the bar itself, a floor, that kind of floor that gets sticky perpetually from all the layers of spilled drinks over the years, a few tables filling this small area in front of a small wood stage with, with decorated with old carpets on, at the backdrop Essentially, it's a dive bar. And I remember this acoustic guitar player, Pat McGee, at the end of his concert, he unplugs from the amp. He steps down from the microphone in the stage, and he comes out into the audience. He starts walking through the crowd to play his final song. So different than my first song concert, and a picture not so far removed from the move that Jesus makes in the Gospel of Matthew. Directly from the temptation to be spectacular, do it big, Jesus' very next move in the Gospel of Matthew we read is, quote, as you heard earlier, to withdraw to Galilee, he makes his home in Capernaum by the lake in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, where Scripture says that many in that region sat in the shadow of death. It's a move entirely away from the religious and political center of of Judea, away from the key people of influence and power. To launch this world-changing ministry, Jesus goes to where the people are stuck to the floor. By oppression, by pain, by years of nothing changing and little hope, He goes to a place where, honestly, you only need a few tables. There just aren't many people in Capernaum. And he goes without the amplifying sounds of of a heavenly choir, without the amplifying endorsement of Caesar or noted rabbi so-and-so. He goes without even the amplification you get by starting a ministry in a big city. Jesus goes the dive bar route, unplugged. And he walks among the people. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, Andrew, his brother, casting nets in the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, for I will make you fish for people. Follow me, and your life will show others what I'm all about. The way of love, the way of goodness, the way of life. In all you do, there will be a catching quality, a compelling quality unto the way of life. Follow me. Now, it's it's not an easy invitation, and that's made abundantly clear by the next short portion of our passage. Jesus goes from there, sees two more brothers, right? James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, and they're in their boat with their father, Zebedee mending their nets, and he calls to them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed. To follow Jesus on this this way of love, this way of goodness, this way of life, they're leaving their boat, their economic vehicle that they know. They're leaving their father. The expectations of a patriarchal society that you, you definitely followed in the footsteps of whatever your father was doing it's long amazed me in this passage that these four disciples, they, they immediately leave the economic system they know and the familial expectations to follow Jesus. I mean, when you have seen somebody who walks away from something as significant as a known source of income, have you ever seen that? Or, or you've seen someone who, who steps away from the gravitational pull of familial expectations or career field expectations or lining up just perfectly with political party expectations or stepping away from certain societal expectations. If you've ever seen someone who who does that because they are trying to follow the call of love, the, the draw of Jesus. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's Galilee or Georgetown, Capernaum or Chicago, big city, small city, in the middle city. Anytime you see that, it's like, what is going on? How does that work? What gives a person that kind of courage to step from that kind of stick? I'll never forget how this musician started singing while playing that acoustic guitar and plugged in the middle of all of us, singing that final song, and got to this one particular refrain, and everyone starts to to join in. The particular refrain went like this, I will live my life, no, I won't hide. I will live my life, no, I won't hide. I will live my life, no, I won't hide. Over and over this declaration, not to live in fear, but to live into a fullness, a courage, into a true version of who God made us to be. I'm with this musician, all of five feet from me, eye contact with all of us, singing these particular lyrics, it struck something deep within It called. Jesus doesn't do ministry from the stage. He does not start something that will change the entire world and the trajectory of all of our hope and all of our hearts from on high. The Word became flesh and dwelt among the dive bar of our world and the dive bar of our heart, walking on those same Sticky layers of beer and betrayal, bitterness and brokenness. It's small. It's unplugged. It's relational. This is Jesus' fundamental way of doing ministry. This is the fundamental way the body of Jesus Christ does life-transforming ministry. It's small. It's relational. It's unplugged. Because that's where trust grows. Connection grows. That's where genuine forgiveness is given and received and poured out. It's the personal connection and love that nourishes the courage to free our feet, to step from the stick into the rhythm of life. To the notion, go big or go home, Honestly, I think Jesus says, yeah, let's go home. I'm all about names and relationships, faces and meals, forgiveness and reconciliation. And actually, I think that's going to be really big. Have you noticed Jesus draw near in any of the ordinary, even sticky rhythms These recent days. Can can you hear him calling from those same sticky floors we can name right now? Perhaps calling through another in the body of Jesus Christ. Perhaps their presence is somehow Jesus at work in your life. How often God loves to work through God's own body. When God's up to something, do you hear it? Follow me. Live the life for which I've created you. Do not hide. Follow me. Live the life for which I've created you. Do not hide. Follow me. Live the life for which I've created you. Do not hide. And as his grace and forgiveness wash over that floor, and we find our feet getting unstuck, walking with fresh courage, others, others, I promise, will find that a catching rhythm. You know, the Westminster Confession of Faith, published in 1649, found in our Presbyterian Book of Confessions, declares that the chief end of humanity is to glorify God and enjoy God forever, which I think essentially means enjoy the concert Amen.